When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. someone who hasn't watched Lovecraft Country and who has his own issues having tried to narrate Dunwich Horror in the past, I'll defer to our panel of experts on this one. Megan Zena, what do you think of uh, Lovecraft Country and the resurgence of H.P. Lovecraft? I think it's pretty timely. I mean, it, it makes logical sense. Like, he's the godfather or the inventor, sort of, of cosmic horror, and the whole concept of cosmic horror is this vast fear of the unknown and the unknowable and we are just small little ants in in this cosmic universe of big deities and i mean in 2020 we have no idea what's happening it's like we feel like small little ants in in this vast universe of overwhelming terror so on on that alone it makes sense that we're seeing a resurgence and i love that we're kind of pushing forward you know, those horrors, but also reconciling with what kind of a human being he was, which was not great. So I'm, I, I'm personally a big fan of, of, uh, Richard Stanley tackling color out of space and what he plans to do with Dunwich horror and Lovecraft country, even like underwaters Cthulhu thing, um, at the beginning of the year, I uh, know Chilling Adventures of Sabrina had some kind of Lovecraftian Elder God mm-hmm. stuff that they were warming up towards. Um, Zena, what did what did you feel? Well, first with the show Lovecraft, I'm so in love with it. I'm like, oh my god, I feel like I I'm, I always tell you guys this, but it's just it's. I remember seeing the previews for it, and it just and I know it's like magical. What does that mean? But it really is just like a magical show. It's kind of like I have that same type of feeling when I watched Watchmen. Not saying that they're the same, but it's just the storytelling is that good. Yeah. This is, you know, because sometimes we, we've all watched those shows where sometimes they're not that great. But, you know, you just watch them. You know, it could be reality shows. It could be those teeny bopper type of shows, but you just still watch it. But I feel like with this one, this is, I feel like, just true and true. Just like a really, really great storytelling. The layers are all there with the great acting and um, the main character, Atticus, he actually touches kind of on, um, there's a lot of racism in the show, but he kind mm-hmm. of touches on like storytelling, reading someone's stories uh, when, you know, sometimes they're not so much of a, of a great person on the first episode. And I wish I could remember the line, but it really did stuck with me because I'm not going to lie. I've always felt a little bit off with you know, I, there's some HP Lovecraft stories that yeah. are just great, you know, but he's not a great he wasn't a great person and right. I kind of felt off about that but hearing him say that line you know something along the lines that you know just just the storytelling you know doing with that um it just stuck with me you know so I don't know I, I'm I'm open to it I'm excited you know um even with um you know uh Dunwich and everything like I don't, I don't know it's just I feel like this is going to be this is a great time for horror and like you said Megan it's kind of like it, it's perfect timing So bring on more tentacle beasties. Yes. Awesome. Thanks so much for the call on that one, Eric. And now to everybody else, welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know our works from sites like Slash Films, Fangoria, Daily Dead News, and most importantly, as a lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hello. And next to Megan, we have royalty on the podcast. You know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and her infinite love of the genre. Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hello. Zena <laughs> <laughs> doing product placement on a podcast. All right. <laughs> and I'm John. 
Now, some of you have already asked, John, what exactly is your role on the podcast? Megan and Zena are clearly the industry professionals who stay on top of trends and new movies, but you, you don't. And it's simple. I thought about this. I'm the pickle chips. Think of the podcast as a hamburger. The main substance and interest comes from Megan and Zena. Think of that as the hamburger and fries. And I'm off on the side of the plate, like pickle chips. Some people love them. Can't have a hamburger without them. Others wonder why in the world they exist. Others just kind of shrug and accept that, for better or worse, they are on the plate. And that's me, John. Pickle chips. I like pickle chips. See? And I'm sure there's someone in the audience that's like, no, 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 no. So much better without. Too bad. Pickle chips are here. (laughs) If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope that your week has been filled with all the best kinds of horror. If not... Let's do a quick round the table of the movies, books, games, and anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. And maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile too. Zena, what's been filling in your horror heart this week? Guys, I've been watching a lot of awesome stuff. But I wanted to give you the best stuff, okay, that I've been watching that really just made my heart sparkle. So, um, Sparkly horror. Right? (laughs) That's my favorite. But seriously, though, uh, this was actually a rewatch for me. So it's Allison's birthday. I watched it on YouTube. It's from 1981. Um, it's basically about an Australian teenager. She arrives home expecting like a wholesome birthday party celebration. But instead, she's dragged into a diabolical cult of devil worshipers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. That, again, sold. You're so good at these pitches. <laughs> Gina should be the new like movie guy like for trailers. Oh, Forget my God. My, I love my... that narration voice Zena. there no no so. you're kind of winning with with that voice I, I i'll try to do that with i'll try to switch up my voice with the next one but um well, you can at least you can at least pitch future shows okay Just walk in the room two sentences <laughs> done you got me okay so um this is actually I've, i watched this movie a couple of times and you know sometimes when you watch a movie that's so good that you you try not to watch it too often because you want to keep that magic going you know if that makes sense? I don't know what that means because I tend to overwatch. Like, I love this movie. Let's put it on again. <laughs> well, of course, I have those movies like Ice Cream okay. Man and Night of the Demons too. But, <laughs> you know, when it comes to this one, it's just that special. Like, I feel like it's just such a spooky movie. It has like an eerie feel. And I feel like there's like, there's Ouija boards, there's possession, there's family secrets, um, like ancient rituals. Like, seriously, it's just like a must watch. It took a different direction than I thought. You had me at Ouija board. You need it in your life. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the next one, I watched The Bridge Curse on Netflix. Um, It just came out this year. And terror strikes when a university student tests an urban legend about a female ghost that haunts a campus bridge. Um, So this is a Taiwanese uh, supernatural horror and it has like a twist. And, you know, I have to be honest with you, I am a sucker for urban legends. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, I'm in. I'm so in. But I really do feel like it has like a really cool storyline. And, you know, they kind of rely more on suspense. Like I say that it's like genuinely creepy, at least for me. And I'm someone who really loves horrors when, like, when they rely on the storyline and less on like CGI and you know special effects. But I do recommend, um, obviously, because you know you should pay attention. But you should pay attention because there are little surprises in there. Yeah. So I was reading the the description of this video, and I haven't seen it again because it's 2020. So <laughs> I've got a while. But it, so I don't. Have you seen the phone footage movie Butterfly Kisses? I have, yeah. I have. I have, actually. Oh, my God. Okay, so is it anything kind of like that urban legend? <laughs> um, No, it's it's a little bit, it's more different. I, I say that it's more different. It's kind of, it's it's kind of in a way, like, you kind of heard it before about mm-hmm. a, a woman who kind of kills herself. And she was waiting for her for her lover. Oh, my God, spoilers. You know, and sure. then there's... Well, the heart of pretty much every urban legend ever, yeah. Right. So it's it's pretty typical. But what's not so typical is the way they kind of reveal it to the viewers. Like you already like this, like the urban legend, you're going to know, but how they're going to play it out, even the ending, I went a different direction. New approaches nice. to try mm-hmm. and true material. I'm into it. Yes. Sounds like a rare horror win on Netflix. I think Net- so. Netflix is super good about dropping international horror without a word. Oh. Like you can oh find gosh. so much like international horror on there. That, that is kind of sitting there that mm-hmm. collecting dust because that, you know, there's no promotion. It relies on word of mouth like Xena, you know, it's, it's crazy. Like even, um, I was just talking about typewriter 
the miniseries yeah. on Netflix um, from India. Oh my god! Like I, I, it came out last summer, and I heard nothing of it, and it was like really good. So it's just, I mean, I recommend giving you know, obviously foreign horror movies. They're just, yeah. they're awesome. They're they are their life. I recommend just sometimes trying it. And usually, like Netflix isn't always my go to for horror. Right. But I knew that I was in the mood to watch something foreign. What, what what's that French horror series that everybody loved? Marianne. Oh my god. Marianne, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's a reader. So uh, I it's most of the uh, stuff I watch is background, so I can't yeah. watch a lot of horror or foreign horror movies when I normally I got would it. during the day. Yeah, I get so, that. Yeah, I hear I I heard nothing but great things and that it was people were really disappointed that it wasn't uh uh, picked up for season two no because i mean i think it it made enough of a kind of blip in the states but not so much in native france and that's where i would think it was most important so mm-hmm. they aren't as into horror as we are i guess um so, yeah, I'm bummed, we'll, we'll do a remake <laughs> no no yeah, do not no, like please don't but it, i think the filmmakers are doing something they're doing some movie called like cobweb i think i don't remember what it is off the top of my head but they are definitely somebody that i am they're on my radar after marianne because they know how to craft scares whether you like oh, the man. story of marianne or not the scares mm. are great nice megan what have you been watching this week um i had a very light week uh, as far as watching i watched the blood on satan's claw um, which I think, yeah, it <laughs> has to be from the seventies. <laughs> it is it's from 1971. Um, and I think I've seen it pop up here and there on streaming. Like I'm pretty sure I saw it on prime a while back. So keep an eye out. It's not currently on streaming. You could probably rent it, but I watched it on Blu-ray. Um, Severin had a, I think it's Severin that had the special edition Blu-ray that I had snagged during their last sale. Um, it is a 1971 British horror movie set in the 17th century where people in this remote village happen to uncover this really weird skeleton and it kind of sets off this string of cultish demonic possession across the entire village especially the teenagers um and so it's considered one of the folk horror trifecta so you've got 1973's the wicker man you have 1968's the Witchfinder general and then smack in between them is the blood on satan's claw hmm. um so if you are a huge folk horror fan this is kind of foundational um i really liked it, it it's a little weird i mean all kind of folk horror movies are a little weird but if um, it was initially conceived as kind of a anthology, almost like a series of interconnected stories, but then they just made it into one story. So it's got this weird kind of disjointed flow, but unlike Witchfinder General, which I feel like this makes a perfect compliment to, it's like Witchfinder General was about a really jerk guy torturing women and men and abusing his power. And this one is actually satanic. A so, really jerk guy. He's a really jerk guy. Women. He was a mean guy. What so, a yeah. dick. Yeah. Stop being such a bastard, Yeah, dude. don't be an ass. <laughs> that, yeah. So this one's like actually has demonic activity and there's like weird skin that sprouts on the affected and like yeah it's it's nuts it's weird it's definitely the epitome of folk horror so if you like that stuff highly recommend oh would you say that it's a little campy is there some campiness to it or i don't know that it's camp is the right word i definitely think like age probably yeah is the kind of dated because it's like it's serious and some of the stuff like trigger warning there is a rape scene in it so like it's serious stuff but it's dated and some of the special effects are definitely are like the the makeup effects are going to be like really kind of kitschy compared to today's standards but i don't think that it doesn't really have a camp tone it's just okay. dated so yeah What'd you watch, John? Okay, so before I get into it, I'm going to promise really hard to limit the number of movies that I talk about in the future, because <laughs> some weeks I might watch like seven or eight or nine movies, and I intentionally don't talk about the ones that I don't really like, because yeah. some of them, obviously, the, the podcast is about horror that we love, and yeah. there's plenty of stuff out there that we watch, it's like, oh, that didn't land for me, yeah. there's just no reason to talk about it, it's fine, it might be someone else's big, but you don't need me standing here talking about, eh, it wasn't very good. Um, so, 
my formula, my ideal formula going forward is each week I want to watch one classic, one slasher, and one found footage. Oh, now, okay. now this is all based on my criteria for what's classic, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> okay. But I think it'll make sense once I start getting into it. Okay. Uh, that said, this week I have four. Okay. <laughs> two slat. Uh, I would call it two classics, a slasher, and a found footage. You'll see. Okay. Anyway, first and foremost, and this is what I'm calling a classic: 1986's comedy horror House on yes. Amazon. It is a classic. I think it is, if nothing else. Yeah. And uh, I love that it's specified as a comedy horror because I do definitely chuckle at certain points. And uh, so so directed by Stephen Miner uh, and starring William Cat, who you would remember as the the the, the beautiful haired boyfriend in Carrie or prom <laughs> yeah, date in Carrie. Yeah, his hair is so fab. <laughs> and uh, George Went as his neighbor, who you know from Norm and Cheers. And Richard Mole, who you'd recognize as Bull on Night Court. And it's a story, oh, sorry. <clears throat> the story of a troubled author <laughs> who lives in his deceased aunt's house following a divorce and the disappearance of his son, only to fall victim to the house itself being haunted. This is such an amazing blend of classic haunted house type storytelling, mm-hmm. along with just pure campiness. Because. Uh, uh, I mean, no spoilers. The the writer who William Cat plays is a Vietnam War vet, so a lot of the trauma that he's going through in all this is like flashbacks about Vietnam. Anything set in Vietnam, <laughs> it it looks it, it looks like it was like a closet that people put some plants in. <laughs> like it's just really really campy looking. Anytime they do the flashbacks, and even like the creature effects are pretty campy. But I remember being a kid when this came out and. I think HBO had some sort of a making of documentary version of it because they were showing the creature effects. Like there's a a, a scene with a, there's a very prominent scene with a creature. I'll leave it at that for people who haven't seen it. And I remember just watching that and being terrified of the creature because I was like Mm -hmm. six at the time. So it was just like, but it's like the scariest thing in the world to me. And now I watch it and I think, wow, that messed me up, huh? Huh? I mean, to be fair, like, do you, you remember Evil Dead 2? Linda, the oh, the course. stop motion animation, like, when she, she pops so up out of the grave. Like, that terrified yeah. me as a kid. That and now still it's gets like, me. <laughs> I mean, but you can kind of see behind the curtain now. So it looks like yeah. a Barbie doll stop motion animated sequence. And it's still effective. But back then, when I was a kid and I saw mm-hmm. that, oh, my goodness. I watched from behind the couch. It was also her sounds, like the sound she that yeah. oh, you know those sounds I'm just saying, were freaky. Can't discount kinder trauma. Hey, and, I still get creeped out by old Tool music videos, so it's fine. <laughs> it works on me. And you know something, John, with House, like I was always such a big fan of um, Big Ben, like how he mm-hmm. looked, sure. just yep, super yep, creepy. Yep. Yeah, just the just his overall just behavior, and yeah, I totally understand it. it it's. It's very much a product of its time, I think. it's It, it, it dates itself pretty heavily. Right. I don't think anyone's going to be watching it and think that, oh, this totally could have been 90s or 2000s or whatever. Like, it's very dated. But it's just enjoyable. And and if you look at it as comedy horror, yeah. like, it fits perfectly. Because there's plenty of plot holes you're trying to figure out in it. But it's just a fun, campy watch. And I would consider it a classic. Definitely not a slasher, but classic for <laughs> me. And then, so this is... I call it my slasher, but I can't spoil anything in the movie. So 1986's mystery slasher film, April Fool's Day, also on Amazon. So Deborah <laughs> Foreman, you'd recognize from Valley Girl. Uh, Amy Steele, you would recognize as the final girl, Jenny, from Friday the 13th, part two. And uh, Thomas F. Wilson, who you'd recognize as Biff from Back to the Future series. And then Clayton Roner who people might not recognize his name at all, even what I'm about to say, but this is one of my all-time favorite horror TV shows. It was called G versus E. And mm. G versus E stood for good versus evil. Lasted for all of two seasons. I think it was only on sci-fi. Oh. Uh, do either of you remember the movie, the the um, Ryan Reynolds movie, uh, R.I.P.D.? Yes. Where he's like a cop who died. Okay, it's that premise. It's like basically when people die, they get the opportunity to come back and hunt down wayward demons. Mm. 
but it was originally produced on like USA and sci-fi. It's super dark, but it's, it's really stylized. It's almost has like a Sam Raimi feel to like the camera work and like sudden, like speed ups. And so I can only find it on YouTube and it's driving me nuts that it doesn't exist on Blu-ray or Amazon or anything. But so now I'm talking about G versus E instead of April (laughs) Fool's Day. So I should get back to what I watched, but I highly recommend if anyone can find uh, G versus E or Good versus Evil. It's it's amazing. It's uh, if they're gonna remake anything, they should remake that. I love it. Um, okay, recommendation within thing. a recommendation. I dig it. E- exactly. I- I'm levels like an onion, like <laughs> onions and pickles. <laughs> you should have been the onion chip guy. <laughs> there you go. Like pickle or uh, uh, there's got to be onion pickles, onion flavored pickles. Oh, pickled onions. Horrible. Probably. There you go. Oh, yeah. Pickle, a cocktail onion. I'm a cocktail onion. <laughs> Perfect in a martini. All right. April Fool's Day. The plot follows a group of college students vacationing during April Fool's Day weekend on an island estate, which is infiltrated by an unknown assailant. That was the best that Wikipedia could come up with. Basically, it's a group of people who at least tangentially know each other from college going to a rich girl's house during April Fool's Day weekend and slashing ensues. So this is kind of a classic in its own way. This was um, produced by uh, Frank Mancuso Jr. Yeah. Uh, coming uh, from the Friday the Thir- well, most well-known from his fr- work on Friday the 13th, uh, or producing or executive producing. But the key to this one is it's, it's fine as a movie. Like, it's kind of a whodunit slashery type movie. What gets me, and, and what I've really been coming back to, especially with 80s movies... And kind of like with George Went and, and Richard Mull in House is the supporting characters acting. Like if you look at like uh, Thomas F. Wilson, Biff and Clayton Roner, like basically as supporting characters and they're just kind of goofing off. But like they're having fun with the character. Mm-hmm. Like there's a big difference between like my example, like uh, Slumber Party Massacre too. Mm-hmm. like the guys in that just being really messed up slash creepy, like they're laughing at their own jokes, but they're not funny sort of thing. Yeah. Versus, versus an actor who can't, who does have some comedic timing. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, it kind of just is the way it is. You can cast someone as the, the comedic jerk or, and that's fine, but so you can, you can pick up on comedic timing a lot better in eighties movies. Like you can just kind of see that, like the original Friday the 13th, the, the, the character who puts on the the Indian headdress and dances oh. around mm-hmm. and like he's supposed to be comic relief and most of his jokes are just really they hurt. I love the movie, but it's like I get it. He his role is to be the funny guy yeah. who's kind of forcing the laughs. Right. You and you demand just, funny. Give me yeah, a comedian. I like it. I, I will definitely go back to funny more. Like you you just you pick up on those little things, especially performers early in their careers. You can see that timing, did, like that conversational timing. Did you see House 2? No, bo- I haven't. It's on, it's on Amazon. I'm, okay. I, I might watch it this week. Then um, this is not a spoiler, but if you are a super fan of George Went in House, then you will love House 2 because his buddy, Yay. the mailman, is cameo <laughs> in House 2. John Ratzenberger's he, in House 2? Yeah. 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 So I feel like you All are right, going to lose too. your mind at that part. I see. I'm going to have to call it a classic again to fit my mold for next week. <laughs> I was going to watch well, that's the your, Omen. That's your assigned uh, homework, pickle chip. You come back and give us a report <laughs> on House Two. Oh, see, I was going to watch the Omen, and now I'm watching House Two, pickle chip. All right. <laughs> you know, episode two. I should have a nickname. Why not? But I feel uh, like this will evolve. <laughs> I'll have a new one each week. It'll yeah, be we've We're just already gone from pickle t-shirt. chip to cocktail onions, so who knows? <laughs> it's all about merchandising. I'll be on hats. It'll be perfect. But technically, though, you were the Harry Potter of horror last Harry, week. I know, yes. see? See? <laughs> Exposition so, Harry Potter of horror. I'm writing them down. Or heard- Perfect. Just a black t-shirt that says expositional character. That's amazing. That's a perfect t-shirt. There you go with an arrow pointing up. Exactly. Up. up. Hopefully not down. That's a no. completely different movie. No, topic. that's a yeah, different no. movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I have two left. I should try and breeze through these. So I now I hit my my uh, found footage. Okay. 
2013's found footage horror film, The Frankenstein Theory on Amazon. This is one of those movies that I randomly stumbled across just because I call it the blockbuster effect. Like I saw, I, I saw the, the VHS cover. Mm. Like I saw the cover of what it was. And actually Frankenstein's army was the same way, but I'll talk about that in some future episode. It was just one of those things where I'm like, oh, that looks interesting by the picture. And then read a brief description. I'm like, oh, okay. The film relates the story of a documentary film crew that follows a professor who journeys to the Arctic Circle in order to prove that Mary Shelley's classic 1818 novel Frankenstein was based on fact. So, which is basically the exact movie. Documentary film crew follows a professor who claims that his family actually created Frankenstein and he believes Frankenstein still exists. Hmm. And he believes he exists somewhere in Canada. Really simple premise, but really cool too. Like it's not, it doesn't lean too much on science. (laughs) One probably because it can't, but it doesn't have to because it's a quest. It's a person's obsession. It's, a, a, a desire to prove yourself beyond your own measured self-worth, mm-hmm. uh, your idea of who your family should be, the um, the accolades that maybe you think you deserve that you didn't deserve. and But this is another one. Found footage works really well, but again, my favorite part is the supporting characters because the star of it, uh, Chris Lemch, I think you can pronounce He's from another found footage movie called They're Watching. If you yeah. see both of them, you... he's from Ginger Snaps. Oh, and Ginger, Ginger Snaps. They're perfect. See, it's all pretty much anything for like a Canadian found footage horror movie. He's in it. Yeah. Or well, Canadian horror movie. He's in it. That kind of reminds me. Um, he also just looking at it. He's also in My Little Eye. Yes. Which is it's like a slasher movie, but it kind of kind of like a Big Brother type of slasher movie reality show. I Ooh. think that that might be up your alley. The key for me is the supporting characters. So have either of you seen Frankenstein Theory? No, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. Okay, if you're not a fan, fo- uh, found footage fan, you you can pass. It's fine. I love found footage, and it works for me. It's it's another one of those background noise yeah. ones. I can just like put it on and just be entertained by the idea of it. It's only like 85 minutes anyway. Mm. But the supporting cast basically of like the cameraman and the assistant producer and and particularly the guide that they use in Canada, they're amazing because like the guys on the documentary film crew, they're just like comic relief, kind of jackassy to each other, the punchlines, all that other stuff. And like, but their interaction like with Carl, who's this like Canadian, like winter hardened guide and like how like kind of surly he is and everything like it's those interactions for me, especially in phone footage that sell it. Because generally speaking, found footage premises and plots are pretty simple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they, they can't really be too complicated because you only have limited perspective to, to, con- to relay it. Yeah. That one lens, we'll say, or one <laughs> lens at a time to tell a story. Like we can't get expositional narration and things like that beyond that actual expositional moment in the movie where you're explaining mythology or whatever else is happening. Yeah. So. It's the people that are interacting within it. They have to have some relatability or just good chemistry together, things like that. Otherwise, it really falls apart, which I think happens in a lot of found footage movies because people are trying. uh, There was just that massive boom of them, especially post like Cloverfield, where everyone was trying to get back into found footage and reignite it. Right. And they were it was they were rushing. The focus felt like it was more on the plot. Mm-hmm. which for me feels wrong for found footage because plot is easy in found footage. It can be anything, you know, like one of my favorite fan films, never hike alone. It's a guy hiking through the woods and he, he stumbles upon camp crystal Lake. That's simple. That's a simple plot. Right. There's action within, yeah. but it's gotta be like interactions and the person's like characteristics and personality, things like that. that really sell it. And for me in Frankenstein's theory, it's all about those character interactions that work the best. So big fan. Cool. And finally, this is the actual classic, a movie that I don't <laughs> know that I ever actually saw the entire entirety of until just last week. What? 1982's Poltergeist. <laughs> I know. That's okay. You a, look at you. A you rare Netflix it. gem. <laughs> you know, it was one of those things where I'd seen it. I'd seen bits and pieces of it over and over again. And I probably saw the whole thing in the 80s. Okay. But I just hadn't watched it since. Okay. Like, I was never, yeah. 
uh, starring Joe Beth Williams, Craig T. Nelson, and the late Heather O'Rourke, rest in peace. Set in a California suburb, the plot focuses on a family whose house is invaded by malevolent ghosts that abduct their younger daughter and the family's attempts to bring her back into the real world. You know, it is just a classic. And yes. and obviously one of you two can remind me because you're better at this than me. Was this directed by Toby Hooper? Yes. yes. Story In theory, by... because I know I've heard rumors that Toby Hooper, at some point, this became a Steven Spielberg movie. Point blank, he's he's the credited filmmaker, so he yes. is the filmmaker as far as I'm concerned. The Same. thing that gets confusing is that like it's executive produced. The story is by Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. He was he's there. Like the scene it where it feels very Steven Spielberg. It does, um, but it's still Ho- Hooper's direction, and you can kind of see him in some of those moments, like the really gnarly face melting feel like feels like yeah. a Hooper moment, mm-hmm. even though those are Spielberg's hands reaching up in front. They of, are, yeah, like pulling skin off. Yeah, so like I'm not calling Spiel- spoilers. This is '82. Yeah, there's, there's, there's the statute <laughs> of spoiler limitations has lapsed like decades ago. Um, but yeah, like so he he was heavily involved. This was also his baby. But as far as I'm concerned, this is a Hooper's directorial effort. Mm-hmm. And I could spend a long time talking about this movie. I adore this movie so freaking much. Save it for Patreon whenever we get that going. Yeah. That'll be spe- that'll be bonus content. That'll be the <laughs> holiday special. We could be like, we don't want to hear her talk about poltergeist. Are you um <laughs> do you plan on John, do you plan on checking out like the sequels? No, I still have to get to Exorcist three before okay. I get to the the Poltergeist uh, sequels. I, you know, the it, it took me this long to revisit the original Poltergeist, and honestly, and I liked it. It I wouldn't rank as much as this is a classic, and given perspective of time and when it was created and everything else, I would put it as a classic too. Yes, I would not put it in my top list. Hmm. Um, I really enjoy it. I. I enjoy it in a lot of the same ways that I enjoyed Jaws, actually, probably mm-hmm. because of the Steven Spielbergian. It's the character interactions. Again, I keep coming back to that. It's the little things like like Craig T. Nelson, like laying belly down on the bed, rolling a joint while his like, kids are asleep. And, <laughs> yeah. and then the, just going into these silly little diatribe about diving and stuff like that. Just these little bits about a person that feel like like non sequiturs in a movie but that's what's building themselves right you're people yeah exactly you're engendering like the audience by giving them subtle relatable moments that's not like exposition you know it's that's why that's one of the many reasons why i love this movie because it's like you know there's the whole rumor or people assume that it's indian burial ground there's no indian burial ground in poltergeist like that's Mm -hmm. yeah that's it's because yeah yeah but the way the reason why it starts because you know they've been living there for a while and you don't really notice because they never really explain it but there's the whole beginning where you see the contractors in the backyard preparing to unearth the pool and, like, there's the whole scene where the teen daughter, like, gives them the bird for <laughs> cat calling her. And it's, like, a subtle moment that when they break ground, that's when stuff starts happening. But they don't mm-hmm. ever outright tell you that. You have to visually, like, get that from from just watching the movie. Yeah. So and- I might have to go back and listen, but I'm almost positive there is reference in passing, I think, by the mom, by Jo Beth Williams, who says something about an Indian burial ground. But I think she says it really early on, like as a more like a joke. Yeah. But there's, I think it might have happened because of the sequel or even like spoofs of poltergeist. Oh no, that's what I'm saying is that um, the, the cause is never explicitly that I think, but what I'm thinking is that people are like Mandela affecting it in their heads. Right. Because there might've been a line referencing that. So they drew like dots and they're like, Oh, well, it was always an Indian burial ground. Probably part two, where where they have this whole like shaman, and I think there might that there there's a lot more in the mythology in the second one that I think they're projecting, like they're kind of retroactively putting on the first one. Well, I was just gonna say I, something I think is pretty cool about this movie, um, because I recently wa- rewatched it as well, like a couple of months ago, and I, I still like the fact that the story is still compelling. Even though it was, you know, it took place in the 80s. They filmed it in the 80s and everything. So, I don't know. I just, it is, I, I agree with Megan. It is like a really 
it's one of those movies I feel like if you are someone who enjoys horror movies, I think that you should just check it out. Yes. <laughs> it's a good kind of like gateway one. Actually, I agree. It's a great it's a it's a great gateway horror movie because there's definite scares, but especially in this time, it's it's very tame by comparison. Right. There's really only a couple of scenes that are kind of gross, you know. Yeah. So beyond that, yeah, I'd say it would very much. I think tagging it as gateway horror works perfectly, and classic, sure. All right, enough about what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. What's going on, Megan? Well, um, I have been thinking a lot about Halloween. I mean, there's this, as far as I'm concerned, spooky season is officially on. <laughs> um, when the stores start putting the Halloween stuff out, it's officially spooky season. Um, and obviously, things look very different <laughs> these days. Like, Halloween parties will not be a thing. Uh, haunted houses, probably not a thing. But that doesn't mean that Halloween is canceled. Right. Halloween still exists. You cannot cancel Halloween. <laughs> um, and so one of the interesting things that I've noticed so far, because it is my goal to, to keep the Halloween spirit alive and how we can celebrate that at home. Uh, Darren, Darren Lynn Bowsman, um, he directed Saws 2 through 4. He did St. Agatha. He did... A whole bunch of stuff. He's a horror stalwart. And he also has done a lot of um, horror immersive experiences in Los Angeles. Well, he's bringing that home with something called One Day Die. Um, and One Day Die is still very shrouded in mystery. But it sounds like it's going to be a box situation that, that they mail to you. And it takes up an hour and a half of your time. Basically, you go to onedaydie.com. It asks you a series of creepy questions like, do you believe in the paranormal? Have you ever lost somebody? Would you ever attend a ritual? And so on and so forth. And if you answer correctly, it lets you into this website and it asks for your name and email um, and where you're located. And then um, you start getting a series of creepy emails from somebody called... Ian Oddi, because I did sign up because I am Ooh. curious and I want to know. Oh, you so, better believe I signed up for this one. Did I you have to sign up? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, no, this is this is so my wheelhouse. Yeah, I am super curious about this type of stuff, and I'm like really into these creepy emails that look like something a serial killer would send you. Um, and basically, from what I can tell, is it's you're going to, they're supposed to send out an email for like tithing is what they're calling it. But like you pay for this box and it'll show up at your door. Do not open until instructed. And I'm assuming there's going to be some kind of online event that involves opening the box and performing a ritual. He has partnered with executive producer of upcoming, uh, LaLaurie mansion movie, um, Joshua Ryan Dietz and magicians, Daniel Garcia and Blake Fox. I cannot pronounce. I apologize if I butchered your name. Um, so yeah, this is this is going to be like basically an immersive experience at home for the pandemic. So if you're looking for something very spooky to do this Halloween season, that's something that clearly John and I are. Zena, you should hop in and, and yes. let's all. I'm looking at the website right together. now. I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, don't answer wrong. You have to re you have to start over again. Yeah, I got the first one wrong. <laughs> yeah. Just start over. I just Okay, I'm gonna wait. Yes, yes, all of it. Yes. Yeah, um, just say yes. Yeah, yes. So yeah. I, I love this. This whole ARG experience. And and it's funny because I also watched another a movie I didn't talk about this week because it's not on my list. Uh fear.com. Oh, I haven't not old, seen that uh, since the theaters. Yeah, you know, it's another one super dated. Um, but there's aspects of it that I love that are really great. It just, uh, I think there's issues in editing or something. It gets really disjointed, but it very much felt like that. Like you're going to this creepy website that you've discovered and, yeah. and you don't know what's going on. And like, normally like I, I like reading about ARGs, yeah. like hindsight, like what <laughs> a company did. And because like I'm not really into like a lot of the stuff like stuff's out there like is it called Catch a Serial Killer or something which is like I a weekly know. subscription service something like that. Yeah. Normally I'm not into that, but this I, as soon as I clicked on the website, I'm like ah, yeah. take my money. Send right. me a box that may like 
you know, come with the ghost attached. I don't know, but <laughs> uh, I, I am going to find out. So yeah. How um, exciting. <laughs> so there's, there's step one in Halloween celebration at home. Um, and then the other one day die one day die.com. Um, and then on a brief, but similar note, AMC fear fest has announced that they are going full month long, which I'm thrilled about because even though I've seen all of these movies, like a billion times, there's always something nice about October where you can turn on any channel and there's like the probability it's playing a horror movie is like 90%. And I love that. Um, normally they're like half month long, like they start around October 13th, but we're in a crappy 2020 situation. So they're going full month. So I appreciate you AMC. Oh, their, their hundred greatest horror movies of all time is what got me to do like a, so much bigger of a deep dive into horror when they did that. Like I nice. never heard of movies like Basket Case. Oh, I like I, I was, yeah. Well, I <laughs> listen. We'll He's get into like my issues 40... with horror. On, yeah. Again, onion layers. Okay. Yeah. You can't <laughs> peel everything by episode two. Wait, what's we'll your get to my problems? What's your nickname again? Onion Cookie. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> I like onion cookies no, but we, so much. No, but now we have a title for the episode. So. Perfect. <laughs> Would you eat an onion cookie? No. No, I'm a cocktail onion. Oh, man, I love you, Zena. What else is happening, Meg? All right. So, October 13th is the release date for Scream Factory's Friday the 13th Collection Deluxe Edition. And Ooh. it is going to be insanely jam-packed with special features, which you can head to Bloody Disgusting to get the full insane rundown. We we don't have enough time in an episode to go through everything that's on that box set. But I did want to bring up that... The most coveted item on that um, box set is the uncut gore footage for part two. What, what does that mean? Um, a, just an abbreviated version. Uh, it should have like the bloodier death of Alice, a more gruesome version of the wire death for poor crazy Ralph. Um, and I don't know if you guys remember, but it, this image became super popular because it made it into Fangoria magazine prior to the film's release but that scene was cut and the scene is of a couple of uh jeff and sandra and they're having sex and then jason comes in and impales them both mid-coital which mm-hmm. is like yep. a scene that's right out of bay of blood like mario baba's bay of blood so that will get restored um among all sorts of other gory stuff so i know you two are huge friday the 13th fans so wanted to see what oh, your I thoughts looked. were the box that's 132 dollars i know I'm seriously debating it yeah i mean if you're a fan it seems like a it's must, a must. Yeah. or you yeah. know get a buddy who will pay for it and then you can go hang out with them but yeah <laughs> venmo someone send me money <laughs> i don't have a venmo so also explain to me how to set up a venmo and then send me money <laughs> <laughs> so yeah zita you have any thoughts are you is, i i part two among your favorites um, I actually really like part three, you know, okay. but I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of, it's just so great, you know, it's just wonderful. But overall, like I, I, I did um see this announcement and I was really excited about it. And to be honest with you, I think I'm going to get, like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to do it because I feel like I really love the series overall. Nice. All right. Then we, you're, you're, we're living vicariously through you for the time being. Yeah. We can, I can mail it to you guys. We can borrow it, swap Aww. it out. And... <laughs> so yeah. And then the last bit of news that I have is, um, Sam Raimi's evil. Well, it's not his movie. Um, it's evil dead rise and Sam Raimi chose Lee Cronin to direct it. So he actually, that was announced three months ago that Lee Cronin was selected to direct the next installment of the evil dead franchise. Um, I don't know I'm a, if either of you have watched The Hole in the Ground. I think that's probably on Prime. Mm. Um, creepy little Irish uh, folkloric story. Um, so Sam Raimi handpicked him to write and direct. That's not new. Um, what is new is that Bruce Campbell recently revealed at a drive-in theater event in Pennsylvania that the Evil Dead Rise will be set in a city. Um, it's 
Yeah, it's speculated. They're taking the Predator 2 route. Right, well, the rumor so far is that Evil Dead Rise will be set in a sky rise, which would be very Demons 2. Mm-hmm. So interesting. So yeah. they might be going like a raid redemption or judge dread route with that. Like they gotta fight their way over the sky rise. I don't know. But that but that's unconfirmed. Is... What is confirmed is that Bruce Campbell himself said that it is going they're leaving the cabin in the woods behind for a city. Hmm. He's officially hung up hmm. his chainsaw after Ash versus Evil Dead. Uh not Ash hmm. for, Yeah, that was Ash versus yeah. Evil Dead. Yeah, that Ash was a TV show. Dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he hung up his chainsaw. Hmm officially so we shouldn't expect him in it um but that doesn't mean that he wouldn't possibly cameo like he did in oh there's gotta be a cameo yeah well i mean i'm thinking because like the idea from what i understand is that that they're trying to do some kind of like evil dead universe where it's like a collection of different characters and different heroes and different like directors doing evil dead movies you know in their own kind of Mm -hmm. style and their own spin um but you know like fede alvarez the evil dead remake bruce campbell popped in after the credits and it was just a simple like groovy like i could totally see that being Mm -hmm. a a continuation in all of whatever you know i don't know how evil dead rise will do how do you feel about a city setting I think it could be cool. Like I know we're, we're <laughs> I mean, I think I know we're all used to the woods and stuff, but I mean, this is great. This is like new opportunity. So I'm open to it. Yeah, I I'm not going to knock any movie before it comes out. Like it, right. they can they can put it wherever they want. Oh, wow, that came out wrong. Nobody isolate that. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> this is a family-friendly podcast. What's wrong with you two? Uh they can do horror movies wherever they'd like. <laughs> And I'm not going to knock it. I think because of my personal love of of any of any series or any horror movie, Evil Dead is far and above my favorite. The original Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, the Evil Dead remake, even Army of Darkness, as campy as it is, love them all by far my yeah. favorites. In my head, it's it's more that it's hard for me to process the idea mm-hmm. of taking them out of the woods and putting them in the high rise. Now, again, with the right writer, the right director, the right studio backing or right. lack of studio involvement mm-hmm. could be unbelievable. It could set off this amazing universe the way that the that the the like the monster uni- universal's monster verse should have been. <laughs> but it's the right involvement. I was I was like you at first like city hmm, cabin it's like so tethered to the cabin but then it's not because you think no, Army yeah. of Darkness is entirely in the medieval times and mm-hmm. then yeah. you think about where Ash versus Evil Dead like the final um moment like the the whole climactic battle before it wrapped up was in the middle of like town you know Spoilers. there are tanks yeah. and and stuff and so really you could set it anywhere it just like you said it just depends on on what they want to do and i don't know if either of you have seen hole in the ground but that's oh, I, I already asked that but it's i mean it's creepy it's really mm. creepy so if he's doing some kind of like same vibe that 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 he did with the hole in the ground that could that could work i mean it would it would be like a very different style of evil dead movie which would also make i think the new setting more palatable probably yeah you're right i mean a lot of a lot of my feelings towards evil that are tied up in the idea of the uh, the isolation factor mm-hmm. about not having you're stuck you're in the middle of nowhere even when you try and get away you can't and even army of darkness which is in medieval times right. they don't know anything it's right. demons they don't know how to handle any of this they're all afraid of it because of witchcraft and whatever so it's still isolation he doesn't have yeah. the help so which isn't to say that it couldn't happen in a high-rise by any means like right. he can do that any number of ways um it's just trying for me to get my gears spinning yeah. behind evil dead in a high rise like I, i'm looking forward to at least see what they come up with i'm i'm hoping for the best yeah. by far it's the best thing to do yeah good luck boys okay so give us a call be like eric at the top of the episode and let us know what you think are you all for arg style promotions and movies willing to pay whatever it takes to get a new box set for your favorite slasher want more deadites let's hear about it the number is 224-475-1040. The number's in the show notes, too. For real. As you've seen, we play our favorite message or messages at the top of the next week's episode. Remember, times are strange enough. People are mad about just about everything. 
We love horror. We hope you love horror too. So we want to hear about your love of horror. Please only call if you'd actually like to participate. So finally, if you're anything like us and you spend more than a little time streaming movies on Shutter, Netflix, Amazon, and all the other services, we'd like to help you keep your indecisiveness at a minimum. So Zena is going to clue us in on what we should be watching. What should we be watching, Zena? Well, so um, from South Korea comes Hashtag Alive on Netflix uh, this Tuesday, tomorrow, the 8th. And it's set during a zombie apocalypse and revolves around a gamer's struggle for survival as he's forced to stay alone in his apartment, even confront zombies trying to break in. So if this does sound familiar, it's because it is. It's based off of Matt Naylor's script Alone, starring Tyler Posey, Donald Sutherland, and Robert Richard. It seems fun. You know, I really love zombie movies. So if you do, too, you should check it out. All right. And then next on Netflix as well, coming Thursday, the night, well, the 10th, The Babysitter, Killer Queen. So this takes two years after. I know. (laughs) Babysitter was so good. No expectations going into it. And I'm like, this is amazing. Right. And you know what's crazy? I remember there was this whole discussion on Twitter where there were people who was just like, you know, they weren't fans, but then there was people who was just like, oh, I love it so much. And it's just like, I'm a huge fan of Big G and the way he like edits his movies. It's just amazing. But yeah, it takes place two years after um, from the first one. And so Cole, once again, he's going to be battling the same enemies and stuff. So this is exciting. Still and then, needing a babysitter. <laughs> he looks so much older. Like at this point, dude, just no more babysitters. Hit puberty. <laughs> and then... um. From IFC Midnight comes Rent-A-Pal. It will be on VOD this Friday on the 11th, and it's set in the 1990s. A lonely bachelor named David searches for an escape from his day-to-day life of caring for his aging mother. While seeking a partner through video dating services, he discovers a strange VHS... Like I'm drowning. (laughs) It's not as easy as it looks, does it? It's so hard, but no. Um, He discovers a strange VHS tape called Rent-A-Pal. So um, I thought that this one looks um, pretty interesting. I think it's going to be more of a, it's more of a thriller, but it seems like it'll be pretty cool. And then just in case if you guys missed it, The Owners, it's on VOD. Terrified, it's on, it's available on DVD. The Shed is available on Shudder. Color Out of Space is on Shutter, and right now on HBO, you guys can check out Lovecraft. You know, uh, the last episode, episode number four, it just aired uh, this past Sunday, so Lovecraft check it out. Country. Nice. Thanks, uh-huh. Zena. And that's yes. it for the Bloody Disgusting podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at Haunted Meg. Zena can be found on her own site, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at lovelyzena on Twitter. And you can hear me sounding, like I said, nothing like I do right now on my weekly horror narration podcast, Creepy. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app to help the show get noticed. And as we roll into the Halloween season, that's a pretty big deal. And feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod. That's right, right? That's our yes. that's our social media because I'm evidently the grandpa on the podcast and no. I get confused about <laughs> hashtags. You are correct. And, and that wasn't even a hashtag. That was literally just our address on social media. So so for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. Good night. <laughs>